is. The body, the physical body, is exactly what God used to describe his church. He, he talks about how the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, and we who are a part of him, we make up his body. And the truth is, we will either be healthy or we will not. The sum total of who we are as far as our spiritual health will determine whether or not we're a healthy church. And uh, although there are things that I have seen in regard to health conditions around the world, leprosy being one, that afflict the body and create you know, unsightly, tragic pain and suffering. The truth is most of what happens to the body of Christ is not an outward kind of sickness. It's almost always inward. And the things that most of us deal with are not things that we wear out there for everyone to see. They're inward. They're very much like my father who passed away a few years ago who died of cancer. And when he was first diagnosed, I remember thinking, Dad, you look great. And, and my dad got his wish. He, he, he wanted to keep his mind till the day God called him home. And, and he kept his mind. And, and he, he never suffered. He, he used to say, I, I, I don't know why, but I don't have pain. But he died of cancer. His cancer ate him up from the inside out. And even though you couldn't see it, it devastated his health. And here today, I want to press a little bit deeper on the subject of body health, the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We who make up the body have a responsibility to make sure that in our own hearts, we have good nutrition and we're resting in the Lord. And, and we as believers are not exposing to our, ourselves to things that will defile or contaminate us. If you... Uh, lived in Flint right now, if you've seen the national story, the, the, the huge increase in birth defects and lower achievement scores in, in schools from a whole generation of kids that have been drinking water with a high lead content. And, and so environment has something to do with our health and it impacts us. So all, all of us together have to try and understand what it takes for us to be spiritually healthy. And that's what we're going to talk about for a month. So let's get started right away. Number one, in your notes, uh, man, if you'll follow along, this will go with you for a long time here. A healthy church is founded on and remains connected to Jesus Christ. Now, this is a big deal. There's two thoughts here. Founded on, Christ must be the very foundation of the church. But it continues, it remains connected to Jesus Christ. And so again, what I'm saying here is pretty simple. It's, it's not enough to get off to a good start. According to Scripture, we must remain in Christ. Uh, we, we are so prone to take our eyes off of Christ. We get a good start, we're having a good day, and, and then, boom, something takes our eyes off of Christ. And everybody here, if you'll be honest, you, you'll admit that you know what I'm talking about. It, it's, it's true throughout Scripture. You'll see example after example of this. Peter walking on the, the water. 
on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. Jesus said, come to me, Peter. Put his eyes on Christ, started walking on the water. And as a result, he was doing the impossible. But he took his eyes off Christ, put them on the winds and the waves, is what scripture says, and he went for a swim. Down he went. And, and, and we do the very same things. We get off to a good start, but we do not remain connected to Christ. And collectively as a church, churches do the very, very same thing. I think the biggest way we do this, frankly, is when it comes to focusing not on Christ, but on people, people who are flawed, and we create a something that somehow, some way becomes more important to us than Christ. We begin to look to people. It is called the cult of personality. Uh, we, we look at someone and we say, that's, that's our hero, that's our rock star, we're going to follow him. When the truth is, that's never been God's plan. There, there's a passage, I want to tell you a little bit, because this is not new, it happened in the earliest years of the church, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I have this in your notes. And I'd like you to spend some time thinking about this passage uh, following today's message. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4, and then it really continues the thought, verses 5 through 10, but verse 11 kind of wraps it up. And here's the passage that I want you to see that is so problematic. It was in the time of the early church, and it remains so today. Here's what it says. When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. And, and what is that, by the way? Who is that? Jesus Christ? And, and so... The world, is, the connection is made to how the world idolizes its heroes, whether it's a musician or an actor or a politician. And we hold that person up when the truth is the, the only one who has never sinned is Jesus Christ. And as, as followers of Christ, as we seek to be spiritually healthy, it's not wrong. Paul later would say, he said, you can follow me as I follow Christ, but make sure I'm following Christ. But sometimes in the cult of hero worship, we set aside the flaws of an individual because we're so connected to that person. And if I have anything that I can leave with you for the rest of your life as you think of me as a pastor, I hope you will remember this one thing that I have pleaded with you to make it about Jesus and not, not a person but about Christ and Christ alone. The, the reason we, we kind of lift ourselves up, it's, it's a natural thing. It's our pride. We are all filled with pride. We all have to battle pride continually. I, I would dare to say that, that everyone here, if they'd be honest, you, you could think of a moment this last week when pride just reared its ugly head and bit you. And you, you had to Step away, and maybe your pride stopped you from fessing up. But the truth is, we all battle this, this thing, and oftentimes it manifests itself when it comes to uh, 
kingdom work and the church and the body of Christ, oftentimes it comes in the form of doing what the early church did. Hey, I'm following Paul. Hey, I'm following Apollos. And, and all of that was based on pride because it was never about Paul or Apollos. It was always about Jesus Christ. Now, I, I know that the lights are dimmed a little bit, but I can still see right now. I, I can look around and I can, I can see that, that there's some of you going, wow, okay. I can see where this could come into play. And, and I, I see where some people do that, but I don't do that. But the root of the issue there, pride, is present in all of us. And I, I would dare to say, if I could pull it out of you right now, Everybody has something to fess up about this last year where pride bit you. Uh, I, I, go ahead, think of it. What, what this last week did you do that you covered up because of pride? Won't you do this for me right now? If you got something you're thinking of, would you lean over and whisper that to someone and just tell them what it was? Okay, can you do that? Man, it's quiet, isn't it? It's so quiet. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll start it off. I did something so stupid today, and my, my man pride did not want me to admit it. I, I came in this morning, I'm going, how the heck can I cover this one up? I don't want anybody to know this. I am such an idiot. I, I got here today and did not realize it, but I got here today and I did not wear a belt on my jeans. And you say, what's the big deal? I've lost two or three pounds and I have grave concerns if I stand up right now. <laughs> and I thought, is everybody going to think it's weird? I'm not going to stand up one time today. <laughs> I am hanging on to my pants, I'm telling you. But I thought, how do you, how do you admit something like that? You say, Ed, that's kind of silly. Well, it, it is. But there are far more reaching issues. And, and, and pride, we're going to reference that one more time in a, a few minutes. But I hope you allow God to speak to your heart today. Because this issue of looking at one person and preferring them, more times than not, that's a result of pride because the one you like is the one telling you stuff you want to hear. And the one you don't like is telling you something you don't want to hear. And your pride raises its ugly head and says, I prefer Apollos, not Paul. So as we begin this process of starting a new church, I really want to encourage you to be focused on not just the beginning, that it's founded on Christ, but we continue in Christ. Number two, let me give you a couple other thoughts and we'll wrap it. This is the introduction to this whole idea here. A healthy church will make Christ first and connect to him in everything. Making Christ first. How do you measure that? How do I know that Christ is first in my life? Well, you can take your, your personal device. You do, I, I could do this right now. And you can go online and you can look at your bank account. And then you can look at your bank account and you can see what you've been spending your money on. Okay. That will help you determine whether or not Christ is first in your life. You, you, can, you can, churches can do that. Ch churches can, can look at their budget and determine 
whether or not Christ is first. You say, you mean churches? Yes, absolutely. Because churches, even many good ones that start out where Christ is first in time, they make other things more important, what they want. Some churches, frankly, the job of the pastors is to deliver religious goods and services and tell people what they want to hear. Uh, I, I had a really difficult time here when I arrived 12 years ago because as I, as I met the staff and the people that were employed by the church, I was stunned when I realized there was no one trained to work with children. There was not a full-time youth pastor. But there were eight full-time pastors who delivered religious goods and services to the older members of our church. Now, that's a hard thing to say out loud. But when you have no one trained to work with children and you have no one working full-time with students, and the fact is 95% of all people come to Jesus under the age of 30, and the vast majority of the budget is in debt, building maintenance, and providing religious goods and services for the already convinced. That is the making of an unhealthy church. Were there good people here? Yes. Were there people who love Jesus here? Absolutely. Were they serving Christ with all their heart? Yes. But there was from the top down leadership decisions made that pushed Jesus out of the way. And it doesn't matter what you say. You can do this in your own life. Oh, Jesus is first in my life. Go look at your bank balance. If Christ is first, you're investing in things that are close to the heart of God because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so here we are. We're faced with a dilemma. Healthy church will make Christ first. Is Christ first in your life? Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. You see, I'm not making this stuff up. The, the church is referred to the body of Christ. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead if Christ is not your supreme, if he is not first in your life, you will not rise resurrected from the dead as one of his followers. You will know all about him, but you may not know him. So the verse ends, he, Christ, is first in some things. He's first on Sunday. He, he's, he's first when it's convenient. But either he is first or he's not. He is first in everything. So the question is, is Jesus first in your life? Number three. A healthy church will walk the talk as they connect more and more to Christ. Uh, I want to give you a scripture right away. Go ahead and write that down. Walk the talk. That's an easy blank to fill in if you're following along. 
A healthy church will walk the talk as they connect more and more to Christ. But let me go right to the passage. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. We, speaking here at church at Ephesus, Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, will speak the truth in what? What's the word there? Love. We will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like the pastor. Is that what it says? I just referred to that a little bit while ago. The cult of personality. Okay? Man, you're in trouble. If you are following me, you are messed up. You are in trouble, trouble, trouble. What does the passage say? Growing more, growing in every way more and more like, say it. Okay. Who is the head of his body. His body is what? The church. So what's a healthy church? A healthy church is a church that doesn't just talk the talk. We walk the talk. We are authentic and real. And we honor Christ, not in just words, but in deeds. We become more and more like Christ. I'm going to give you just a couple of very obvious things you'll see in someone who is walking the talk, who is speaking the truth about Christ in love. Here's what it looks like. Let me just give you three things. I'm going to just give them to you very quickly. Here they are. First of all, there's an absence of condemnation. An absence of condemnation. What do I mean by that? Well, the truth is so so many churches create lists of rules. They call them standards. We have standards. They create their lists of rules that determine whether or not you are a good Christian. And and the, the entire culture is about condemnation of those who do not measure up to their standards. This kind of church is filled with pride because they know they're better than anybody else. They got it right. They figured it all out. When at the end of the day, Scripture is very clear in making certain we know that being a good Christian is not about self-denial or your lists of rules. Yes, there will be things God leads us not to do. But those things should be determined between you and God. And when God convicts you not to do something, it'll be far more lasting and real than any preacher who's given you a list of thou shalt not. So look, look at the verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. Again, we're talking about an absence of condemnation. If you go to church and you feel worse when you leave than you did when you came, and nobody told you that because you are a Christian, you are forgiven, you are no longer condemned, and if you mess up, your choice is not to carry the guilt with you. Your choice is to ask for forgiveness and move on free in Christ. I'm here to tell you, if you're feeling guilty about something, if God has convicted you of it, God wants you to repent and get right of it. The one who wants you to hold on to the guilt is the deceiver. 
Anybody who wants to tell you how bad you are has forgotten that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And a healthy church will have an absence of condemnation. It'll all be about the possibility of what we can become as believers, not how much we've messed up. Next, here's another visible sign to determine, I think, whether or not a church truly is walking the talk, not just talking the talk. Humility will replace pride. We talked about that a little bit, but there, there is a lot of pride, I believe, in churches. You know, we're the biggest, we're the best, we've got the coolest buildings, we've got this, we've got that. You know, God gives us things, and if he does, we shouldn't be proud about them. That's what I think the passage in Colossians I'm going to read to you was all about. Colossians 2.18, the second part of that verse, saying they had had visions about these things. Their sinful minds had made them proud. And so God gave gifts of visions and they thumped their chests and said, look at us. Anytime God gives you a blessing and you become self-important and filled with pride over what it was he's given you, you have replaced humility with pride. And I believe God has called us as the church to have pride shoved aside and humility replace pride. Number three, here's the third thing. You can see this. There's got to be a focus on spiritual growth. I, I don't think it's wrong to count how many people are at church. We do it every week. Uh, it's not wrong to count people because people count to God. That's not just a cliche. I mean, people count. You count. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Some people say, we should never even count people. And I tell them, good grief, there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers, you know. (laughs) Get over it. But, But, you know, when we start counting for the purpose of bragging about what we've done, we've missed the point. More, more and more people do that. And, 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 you know, just attracting a larger crowd doesn't mean necessarily that you are a healthy church. Uh, let's look at the next verse. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. Second part of that verse. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. When I talk about church growth, I'm talking about individual spiritual growth as God nourishes us. If you got junk in your trunk and you came here today with a heavy burden that I'm pleading with you today, the Holy Spirit, even more importantly, is pressing on your heart that God loves you and you're better than that and you don't need to drag that junk home with you today. You can leave it here at the foot of the cross where Jesus died and offered to take the burden of that away from you. You don't need to carry guilt. Jesus wants us to grow, become more like him, more and more like him every day. Only God can nourish his church. Yes, preaching and teaching and small group Bible study, accountability, all that stuff helps. But at the end of the day, it's you and God and letting him work in your heart. And really the... The only one that can answer the question, 
what is church health? Because I've told you it's really individual. It's the sum total of all of us individually. And so really the only one that can answer the question is, are we a healthy church? Is you've got to look in the mirror and ask the guy in the mirror, the person in the mirror, you've got to say, am I spiritually healthy? There are diseases you can see. And we call those sins, those ugly sins that destroy someone from the outside in. An addiction that destroys someone's life. That's a bad person. Boy, that's a bad person. But there are inward cancers and spiritual disease, pride and anger, and things that will eat us up from the inside out. We sometimes sanitize the ones that you can't see and make a big deal. You know, we put, we put on our hit list of thou shalt nots, the ones you can see. I want to encourage you today to begin a journey this month of doing something that I think is pretty cool. There is a sand, a sand, good grief, I dropped the G from the word. There is a saying about apples and health, and I'd like you to help me with it. What is it? An apple a day. Okay. Uh, I don't think medically that's a profoundly truthful, all-inclusive medical approach to health that will guarantee you never have any contact with a doctor. But I, I think it really is a helpful little proverb because what it basically is saying is if you you have a good diet and you eat well and you put good stuff into your body, you got a better shot at having good health. Could we agree that's, that's really what that proverb's all about? And when you leave today, we hope you'll take an apple with you. Uh, one of the ushers in the first hour asked me weren't, why we were not handing these out at the beginning of the service. And... Uh, one of the guys standing within ear range whispered loud enough for me to hear. He says, Pastor Ed doesn't want anybody throwing them at him. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of that yet, but we're also passing them out at the end of the service today. Why, why are we doing that? We want you to walk out of here today and hopefully you'll take a bite from that apple. And hopefully it will remind you that if a bite from an apple can help your physical health, why not sink your teeth into the bread of God's word? Why not wrap your arms around the intimacy of a small group and learn to love other Christians and stop the self-absorbed, narcissistic, prideful life that is all about you, 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 you. Me, 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 me. Become like Jesus. Become more and more like him every day. Life should be about becoming more like Christ. You will be a better husband. You'll be a better father. Moms, you, you'll, be the, you'll be the best mom you can be if you become more and more like Christ every single day. Students, you'll be the best student you can be. Christ will bring out the best you. And you can do that with his help. This is not unattainable. He will change you from the inside out if you let him. And so when we say connect to healthy church, what we're saying is, hey, 
Every one of us have a responsibility to connect to Christ on a personal level so that all together we can make a difference as we love God, love people, and change the world. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.